Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. The Championship Vision Podcast is about coaches impacting coaches. We believe that coach mentoring is an essential part of coaches getting better at their craft in our profession. We bring in the best high school basketball coaches in the country to share their vision on what it takes to run a successful basketball program. So stay tuned for another edition of the Championship Vision Podcast with your host, Coach Kevin Furtado, the head girls basketball coach at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. At Dr. Dish Basketball, we're creating basketball shooting machines that accelerate player performance. With features like on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball is the number one source for basketball training. Whether you're training in your driveway, running a practice, or developing a workout program, we have the most innovative training solutions to help your players practice like they play. And just for listening to this podcast, you qualify for an exclusive discount. Just mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633. Again, that number is 952-873-2633. And remember, be better every day. Hey, coaches, uh, welcome back. We, uh, we, we got a we have a special opportunity to really learn. We usually learn from some great coaches and so forth. Now, well, of course, my guests have been coaches, but right now they're one, some of the best athletic directors in our state of Georgia and so forth. We're very fortunate to uh, learn from these guys today. We got Josh Matthews, who's the athletic director at Pope High School um, <clears throat> here in Cobb County, and also Dom Baker, who is the head of, he's the athletic director for Cobb County. And these two guys have, have been around the block a few times. They're going to really share with us on some key insights into running a, a really excellent uh, athletic program. So, coaches, welcome to the podcast, episode 256. Wow. wow. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's quite a big number there. We're, we're chasing you, but uh, we're not anywhere close. So, uh, we appreciate you having us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining me. Um, hey, what I want to do at the beginning here is – Talk about, let's start with Don, start with you on, I read a lot about you, about your past and your, um, your dad and your, your, your history in Valdosta and so forth. Uh, talk about how sports were very impactful in your life. Sure. Uh, again, like you said, originally from Valdosta, Georgia, um, son of a coach, uh, my dad coached for 35 years and, and son of a very athletic minded mother. Uh, she, she could probably beat me if we went out and played horse right now. Uh, and she also barrel raced horses. Uh, and so I really never really had a choice when it came to athletics in my house. It drives my wife nuts every time that we go down to visit my parents, even to this day. If there is a game on television, it is on my television. Uh, and so just, uh, again, you know, uh, blessed uh, to be uh, the son of a coach that has benefited me so much. Uh, throughout my life. And then to have a mom that supported uh, all of our athletic ventures uh, was excellent. And to be, to be a kid growing up in Valdosta, Georgia in the mid eighties, uh, what was, for sure. uh, what was great. It, it, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. Yeah. Valdosta was one of the first, I, 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 mean, I know they're still excellent, but everybody modeled that program out there at Valdosta football. I remember back in the day, Josh, you're, you're from Atlanta uh, and um you, you pretty much have been around athletics all you know your whole life as well. Talk to us a little bit about uh, kind of growing up in sports. Yes, sir. So I grew up right down the road from where you are now in Winder, Georgia. 
Okay. Uh, okay. Wind Bear High School. Uh, the, the folks there may not say it's Atlanta, but it's getting closer and closer. But uh, yeah, so I mean, my dad was athletic. I mean, I I I remember going, uh, kind of catching a bug for athletics for baseball, going to slow pitch softball tournaments on the weekend with my dad. It was uh, just a fun time playing catch with some guys I thought were really good athletes, and they were just playing, you know, slow pitch softball on Saturdays, and that kind of led into. Uh, playing baseball my dad coached me for uh for my whole career growing up until I got to high school and you know like Don my dad was a coach most of my years he was recreational and then he became a uh, community coach for a couple of different schools in that area after I left so uh athletics has always been a part of my family I have two brothers one played soccer in college and the other one my youngest brother played uh, baseball so we uh we enjoy, we were fortunate enough to, to, to play at the next level and, and coach a little bit. And, uh, you know, yeah, Winder was a great community to grow up in because high school athletics, Winder Barrow was the only high school there at the time. Uh, Appalachia's there now, but uh, it was just a fun place to go watch high school football games on Friday night. Probably started doing that when I was in third or fourth grade sure. and uh, became, I, I was the bat boy for the, the high school baseball team in 1990. And uh, 19, uh, 1991, excuse me, and they were runner-ups to Columbus and state championship, and just a, just a fun time to grow up around some really really good athletes, and especially baseball players who who uh, were kind of my idols then. So. Yeah, I mean athletics. I, I can still remember now my elementary PE teacher, uh, and I'm a I'm a PE teacher and coach, and uh, how impactful he was. And I still remember, you know, the, the time he took with me. Was that true? And, and Don, was that true in your life as well, that you had some coaches or teachers that were very impactful in your life and why you're, why you're doing what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, education is kind of uh, our family business. Uh, there are, I don't know, anywhere between 13 and 16 teachers in my family. Uh, it's kind of what we do. Wow. Uh, and <laughs> I changed my major four times uh, before I came back home, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, I was very fortunate in my own house. Uh, my, my father was the greatest motivator of people that I have ever seen. My mother was the best manager of people that I've ever seen. Uh, and then to be able to play for the legendary Nick Heider at Valdosta High School uh, really shaped who I was as an adult. And I didn't really realize it until I got out in the world and had a career and, and got married and became a father. You know, uh, that's when I realized all of those things that he used to tell us. And, and every single day prior to practice, uh, Coach Otter would, we would come out and he would talk to us for literally an hour, sometimes longer. Uh, and I don't know about you, but, but uh, Valdosta in August uh, and in July, uh, you know, as a, as, a teen as a teenager, I wasn't really fired up about uh, sitting there for an hour. Uh, but as I grew up, uh, I started to go, wow, you know, like he, he was right, you know, and I, I've leaned on that uh, ever since, for sure. Yeah, Josh, the other day, I, one of my mentors, he's, who's, he's the same age as me, Gene Durden, good friend of mine, he spoke at my clinic that I just recently had. Right. Every time I listen to Gene, I learn something. And I, I it, it's, it's the same topic, but Gene's one of those that you always pick up something. He's a true mentor of mine. Who's, who's the mentors in your life? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I agree with you on the uh, learning something. I have a coach on my staff who uh, you've, you've uh, encountered before. He's a basketball coach. and He says that all the time. He says, anytime you go to a meeting or you have an experience, you can learn something. So I think that's an important uh, 
tactic that we all should have in our toolbox to to be searching for that one thing we can learn and shoot that uh, coach Durden over there I hear from coach Wolf he he does an amazing job but uh for me there was a guy that coached alongside my dad uh little league baseball growing up his name was Mike Barton uh, I don't talk about him a ton right anymore but uh unfortunately he just passed away a year or so ago and uh, I, I don't call him Mike Barton there's a long story but I call him Big Cat uh, that, that was a kind of an internal joke with his son and myself and, and those two dads. Uh, but he coached me all the way to uh, growing up alongside my dad there. He had played semi-pro ball. He went to the college I wound up going to. Um, when I graduated, he gave me Branch Rickey's little blue book of wisdom and wrote a nice note in there. I still have that kind of cherish that note and look back sometimes in it and just to see what he said to kind of motivate me going off to college. Uh, so he, Mike Barton was a huge mentor of mine. Um, my high school coach, Ronnie Edwards, uh, coached me from eighth grade to, through my junior year. And uh, he, he taught us how to work hard. He really helped us uh, find that college placement. Uh, got, got a lot of guys some scholarships, but you know, every day after practice you raked and uh, you took care of the field and you left it better than you found it and you put the rakes back where they went. And uh, he, he taught you how to work. And, and I think I took that into my coaching career uh, as a baseball coach. And, you know, you just got to, you got to leave it the way you want it the next day. And, and that's usually better than you found it that day. And, um, and as I've gotten older it's, it's been, and gotten into this role as an athletic administrator, I've looked outside of the profession. Don and I do the podcast, and there's some guys that we've had on the podcast that I probably would say are mentors of mine as an AD, uh, maybe Tommy Marshall and, and some other guys. But I, the, the mentors in my life are huge, um, especially the ones outside of our profession, because those are the guys I'm able to go to and share my problems, share my, my, my uh, tough situations, and say, hey, what would you do? How, how does this apply to what you do? What, what, how can you help me solve this? And I've got three or four of those guys uh, uh, kind of on speed dial. And uh, I, I can't uh, recommend enough if you're a coach, if you're an athletic director, any kind of leader out there, you need to have mentors in your life because those are, the, you know, the, some people call them the board of directors, mm-hmm. uh, personal board of directors. I think that's a great term. And, um, you know, the, the, these three or four guys I'm thinking of right now, they're, they're, highly impactful in my day-to-day walk in, in this, uh, not, not just in my career, but in my life as a, as a husband and a father too. Hey, Don, do we, um, do we try to seek the truth? I know as a coach, I want somebody, another coach to be truthful. Hey, you know what? I don't like your practice. I think you need to make some adjustments. Is that true as an AD? Do you seek that from your coaches, uh, from other mentors and so forth to get you better? Absolutely. I think that one of the things that I has been so was so refreshing, I guess, when I got into uh, the, this career of athletic administration was how collaborative it is. Uh, it is. And that's something that we've learned through the, the course of the podcast is all you have to do is pick up the phone uh, and, and call people uh, and they're more than willing to help you out. Uh, and I, I really strive to, to make sure that the decisions that I make at the district level, uh, overseeing 16 high schools, uh, you know, they're, I make, when I make decisions, they're big decisions. Uh, they're usually bigger fish. Uh, and typically before I do that, uh, I'll call uh, Josh or I'll call other athletic directors to say, hey, listen, what do you think? Because ultimately they're the ones on the front lines. They're, they're, they're doing it. They're the ones that are going to have to put this plan into action. Uh, and so I want to make sure that, that what I'm saying uh, 
isn't disconnected uh, from what they're having to do day to day. Yeah, you got a tough job. I don't know how you do that, manage. Yes, he I does. A lot of- <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> um, yeah, we could just have a podcast on that alone. How do you manage all the ADs, all those coaches and so forth? Um, a lot of days I hang up that phone and say, ooh, I'm glad I don't, I don't have to make that decision. I gave you my two cents <laughs> worth and I'm out. Yeah, he, get, he gives me his two cents and then he's like, good luck, yeah. Why did you guys get into, um, because I know I've been coaching 30 years, guys, and I um, I never really, you know, I never thought about getting into athletic administration. Where, where did that connect with you guys to go from coaching to administration? But I guess you're still coaching other coaches now. That's right. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. It's coaching adults, which a lot of days is a lot harder. Uh, <laughs> but coaching coaches is so much fun. Uh, to me personally, I think Don would agree. Uh, most ADs would agree. When you uh, – you're able to see behind the scenes and the, the hard work that the coaches put in. Uh, n- not a lot of people see that um, and, or want to see it. So we're able to see it and then recognize it and, and kind of pat them on the back and see when they do have success, not just winning on the scoreboard, but whatever success looks like in each individual program to each individual coach. You're able to pat them on the back and say, uh, you know, c- coach, uh, you made some really good – I think about last night's softball game. Our coach made first-year head coach, and she made some really good coaching decisions. Now, they wound up winning the game, but these were way back in the second, third inning, and I was able to tell her, hey, you made some really good coaching decisions tonight. And those are the kind of things you get able to see from our vantage point that that, that really are fun to uh, recognize. And, And for me, to answer your question, I go back to my first coaching job at Centennial High School, Mike Cloy. He was a legendary coach, uh, football coach, AD in that North Fulton uh, area. And uh, I, I just, after a year or so of, um, of kind of observing him, I, I told our baseball coach, I said, I think I want to be an athletic director one day. He gave me reasons why I didn't want to, but uh, that, that eventually won out. And after having uh, a lot of fun coaching baseball for a couple of different uh, programs, uh, being an assistant, I was blessed to go to Pope and kind of start practicing some of the strategies and, and um, tactics that I had seen uh, from Coach Cloy and from other athletic directors I've been fortunate enough to work under. So. Absolutely, Don. And in your case as well, when did you know that, hey, this is what I want to do. I can I can lead other coaches. I feel confident that I can do that. When, when did that happen? Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. If, if this was an alternate universe, I'd probably still be coaching. Uh, but my, my wife had, you know, been kind of Lean, you know, pushing me in that direction for a while. Um, I was ready for a change professionally, uh, teaching history and French revolution doesn't change. Uh, every time you teach it, it's the same thing. Um, and, and that, that, you know, doing that year in and year out was, was, was kind of wearing on me a little bit, but I, I wasn't, I was almost like on the edge of the diving board. I wasn't really sure if I wanted to jump in. And at the time, uh, coaching football, I was tucking my kids in on Wednesday night. I wasn't seeing them until Saturday morning. Uh, and my son, who is 13 now, he was five at the time, and uh, and he came up to me and he, and he said, "Dad, do you not love us anymore? Is that why you're never here?" Wow. And you talk about just hitting me, you know, right in my chest. Uh, and the very next day, I went in and I told my head coach, I said, "Listen, uh, I'm out. If you want me to be the director of football operations and handle stuff, you know, kind of behind the scenes, I'll do it. Uh, but um, you know." I, I can't do this anymore. Uh, and um, shortly thereafter, our athletic director took a principal job. 
I'm teaching in my classroom. He comes down and knocks on the door and he says, listen, I've taken a principal job at another school. I'd like for you to apply for my position uh, here at the school. And it's just kind of one of those things that call it a God wink. You call it whatever you want it to you, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, things happen for a reason. And all of that kind of happened right at the same time. Uh, And, and, you know, best decision I've ever made for sure. And let's get into, and and that's an interesting story. I want to kind of dive into that uh, from both of you guys is, is coaches doing too much? They they they're overloaded. With I know with this with me, I do way too much. I'm constantly doing camps, clinics, and that take does take away from my personal life at home. It's a sacrifice. Um, how do you how do you monitor your coaches from overworking themselves and really getting out of the profession? Isn't that what's happening with a lot of coaches? They just they just do too much, and then then and it disrupts their family life. I would argue it's just teaching in general. Uh, you know, the average teaching career now is three years. Uh, you know, it's 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 not digging ditches, but it's a tough job. Uh, and uh, a lot of it goes, you know, uh, it's it's thankless. And, and a lot of it goes unseen to a lot of people outside of the kids that we're having an impact on. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, we do our best uh, to, you know, to keep it in the road the best we can. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I think, and this is something that we can get, we can talk about a little bit that we've learned in talking to these ADs is that idea of work-life balance doesn't exist. Okay. It, it's, it's more of you finding harmony in, in life in general, and, and that's going to look different for everybody. Uh, you know, it, it may be, you know, making sure I know with Josh and he can speak to this, but uh, you know, I know his son is with him a, a lot, uh, you know, when he's on the job, I started to do that as well. I would bring my kids with me because if I wanted to see them, they were going to have to be with me. And you know, that's how I built a relationship with my father. I grew up at football practice at track practice. Uh, he ran a gym during the winter. If I wanted to see him, that's where I had to go uh, because he was busy raising other people's kids. And, and uh, as a result, you know, that's kind of the, the way that we fell into it. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's, it's finding harmony. It's, there, there is no such thing as work-life balance. Yeah, Alan Green, when we talked to him, uh, the Auburn um, yeah. athletic director, he, he talked about Disney has this leadership experience. And uh, he learned there through, through it, I believe, he called it the work-life structure. So you gotta you gotta have structure. You're never gonna have balance. And every AD we've talked to, and I think I would agree, it, they talk about the lifestyle, not the balance. You're not gonna be able to to balance uh, the AD world and your personal world and and do it well. Um, you know, for me, if I had to answer that question, to be transparent, and honest, I would probably say I have a genetic disorder. I'm blaming on my mom. My mom is a busy person. She likes to do a lot and do a lot for a lot of people. Uh, my dad will agree with that. My, my wife will agree with that. Uh, and, and I think I have that genetic disorder. I, I like being busy. I like being involved. So, so to, be at, to be 100% transparent, I probably don't talk to our coaches a lot about it because that's, I like being doing a lot of things. And I kind of think that's how you should be because that's how I'm wired. But if I were to step back and say, step back away from it enough, you know, some coaches may do too much, but I probably don't tell them stop doing stuff because I like it when people are busy and contributing and investing and doing those things. Like I've learned from my mom that I feel like I, that's just how I'm wired and how it works. So to be hundred percent transparent, I don't do a good job. It's a blind spot of mine telling coaches to do less. 
yeah, I think that's, I, I hate to say it, um, work is, is that's the key to success. I mean, there's no shortcuts, right guys. And there's no shortcuts. None. You got to put the time in. And I guess sacrifice is part of that, right? Is that true? Is that how you, uh, you teach your coaches and so forth that, um, I mean, you got to give up sometimes. Yeah. I think that, that there is some truth to that. I think at the same time, you know, I, I've run out of fingers of the amount of marriages that have fallen apart due to this profession, uh, because, uh, they, you know, for whatever reason, uh, dove too far in on one end. Uh, and so, you know, again, I, I think that it's very important, uh, as a leader, especially as an athletic administrator, uh, that you, that even from afar, even like Josh said, if you're not having those daily conversations, at least are you observing your, your staff to see if somebody is, you know, if they're wound a little more tight than they, than they normally are, or, you know, just those little checks on not necessarily how the team's doing, but how are you doing? Uh, and I think what I found was that opened up a lot of conversation. Uh, I know with one coach in particular, you know, he was just little small things that normally wouldn't get to him were, and I've just pulled him aside one day and I said, what's going on, man? Like, what's, what's the deal? And, you know, there were some, some strains in his marriage and, and some strange with his, with his, with his kids. Uh, and we had a conversation and at the time he was coaching three sports. I mean, he was, he, he was all year round in season. Uh, and I said, let's look at this. Which one of these can we take away? Because you only get one shot at raising your kids. You only get one shot at being a good husband, good father. So what do we need to do to help you in that arena? And I think that that's extremely important. Yeah, I'd say, and we talked to Dexter Wood, talked about going to breakfast with his son every Friday morning of his high school career. And Dexter Wood's coaching on Friday night, right? It's some big games. For me, uh, I've talked a lot about Monday night is my off night in the AD world. Scheduling an off night as an AD is a lot easier than scheduling an off night as a coach during season, right, in season. You're six days a week, and you're scouting and all that other stuff. So um, as an AD, that's easy. Our administration knows when they look at that calendar, Josh ain't working on Mondays. And uh, that that was date night now with a kid. And my wife's in grad school. It's kind of changed. But my wife knows I'm going to be home on Monday nights. And, um, you know, that that's huge if a coach can figure out a, a date night, a time away. And I, I personally think, you know, like I said, I, there's no substitute to work. I think working is great. But I also think coaches can say, let's go home on Thursday night or Wednesday night, whatever night you want to call it. Let's go home and, and, and get out of here at 630 and do work a different way. I think there's, you know, Dabo Sweeney shows Sunday is family day and those kind of things. There, there are ways you can be creative and, and more is not more always, you know, less can be more and you get more production, but you also got to put in the work. And, and I just think coaches who have good structure, they have good checklist. They are um, on top of what their coaches are doing. They, um, they're, they're on top of all the extra stuff outside of the X and O's, and they've got an organization pattern that is, that is successful. Those guys will find time to, to have time with their, their families and their, their spouses and such. And, you know, it's vital. Like I said, Monday's my night, and um, I would, I'd encourage all coaches to try to find a night, a day, some, some time to get away and go be with your family. Hey, I'm still working on that. I'm a work in progress with all that. Oh, trust so, me, I, that, that makes three of us. It's I, okay. I, 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 yeah. Um, uh, but I want to go right into, I, I am now, I'm uh, studying a book. Uh, I like to, when I read a book, I want to get something out of it that can, that can help me in life. It's called The Culture Code. 
Um, it's a great book. Uh, the one thing that I really got out of it is they said the key to leadership is being vulnerable. And that is admitting mistakes. And I found that truly amazing how when you show that vulnerability, that people will actually connect with you. What do you guys think about that? I think that especially this country in particular, I've said it for a long time. We are a country that if you will, when you make a mistake, if you own it, we will forgive you. Uh, if you look at history, go, go back and look at it. You know, the people that have just said, you know what, I was wrong and I need to get better and we can get better together usually works out for those guys. Uh, you know, those that come up and try to hide it and, and, and lie and deceive, it doesn't usually work out well for them. Um, I think that, you know, being vulnerable is extremely important to growth, uh, that we are constantly in process until they put that other date on the end of that dash on that tombstone, you are in process. And, and part of that means failing. Now we need to fail fast and we need to fail forward, but there's nothing wrong with you. Dr. Dish Basketball's Virtual Camp 2.0 is now live. Our camp features drills and workouts from pro players, coaches, and trainers like Byron Scott, Quincy Pondexter, and four-time WNBA champ Lindsey Whalen. And though we're known for our shooting machines, the camp also features ball handling, agility, and conditioning drills to help athletes of all ages round out their game. A shooting machine is not required for this camp, but if you own or have access to a Dr. Dish CT or Dr. Dish Home, you can follow along with our pre-built program and track your progress and your stats. Sign up today to gain access to the Virtual Camp 2.0 featured drills and workouts by visiting drdishbasketball.com slash virtualcamp2021. That's drdishbasketball.com slash virtual-camp-2021. Trying things, and maybe they, they might work, they may not work, but at least that's how we grow and that's how we learn. Yeah, Coach, I mean, I, I, when you said that, <clears throat> One, one circumstance comes come straight to mind. I was a couple of years in maybe to this AD job and I um, was speaking to one of our female coaches, head coaches, and I said something. I have no idea what I said. I don't remember, but I remember how it made her feel. Right. It uh, hurt her feelings. Uh, she let me know that. I could tell the emotions behind it and I knew I was wrong and I had to go and apologize. And since then, I've really tried to focus not just on this one coach, but uh, on, on the personalities of all our coaches and how you can talk to them. And I remember learning that day, hey, I'm not one of them. I'm not in the locker rooms anymore. I'm not a coach anymore. Everything I say is, is, is uh, at a higher level, right? And it's scrutinized a lot more. I remember feeling bad and having to go apologize. And, and I would say now I have a great relationship with this coach. Uh, very experienced coach, and uh, I may understand this coach better than anybody in our building, but it took me messing up to to get to that point. And um, you know, as Don said, you you got to go admit your mistakes. You know, I tell people when you come in and say I messed up, there's not a lot else we can say. Whether it's a teacher, coach, player, whoever it is, there's not a lot else we can say. We you're not just going to browbeat people to browbeat them if they said they messed up. So when you come in and say, I messed up, I, I, I'm trying not to let it happen again. Here's things I'm going to do to, you know, measures I'm going to put in place. Can you help me? All those kind of things. It's so, so much easier to move forward. And, um, you know, being vulnerable is just going to help you grow and learn people more. And that, that's what it did for me. Gentlemen, do you find that in the coaching profession? I, and this is just through experience that I've noticed is, 
um, when I talk to coaches that, and, and their team loses, I really find out who they're looking, you know, for why, why they lost. I always think you got to find why you lost. And I always take responsibility for all my losses. So if my team has 30 turnovers, that's on me. Um, and I got that really through Gene Durden. And Gene Durden said, if your teams aren't fundamentally sound, you're not teaching them the proper fundamentals. You think enough of coaches are actually taking being accountable for their team's results? <laughs> I, well, I think part of the deal is we've got to realize that everything's not a competition. Okay. Yeah. Like it's when it comes to, uh, and especially when you're talking about high school athletics, okay. You, you spent 90 hours putting together a game plan for a week. Uh, Let's say, for example, uh, you know, on the football side, you put 90 hours into it. You're not seeing your kids for multiple days at a time. And then it's seven 30 on Friday, all of this time that you've put in, you have to put in the hands of 16 to 18 year olds and say, all right, hope it works. You know? Um, And at the end of the day, it's not going to work all the time it's not going to work probably more than it is going to work but uh like you said that that's that's on you i mean they're they're children so they're not necessarily just going to just pick it up they're not professionals and so yeah i think it it is on you to look in the mirror each and every day and and self-assess i think that's uh i can't stress that enough i i know i do it uh you know did did i do as good a job as I possibly could today. Like that's something I think we all should ask ourselves uh, at the end of every day. Yeah. I think this goes back to how I'm always trying to do more, how I'm, 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 I'm wired. Like I said, that genetic disorder I got from my mom uh, trying to do more. I, I want to hear coaches and I like hearing coaches. I, I listen to them on Saturdays and a little bit on Sundays and major league baseball, but I like hearing the coach say I, I wasn't prepared I didn't do enough. Uh, I could have done more and such as that. Um, you know, talking about officials after a game, that, that's, that's miserable. Don't, don't tell me about officials after a game, whether you won or lost. I, 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 most of the time I get to watch the same game you're watching. I know if they're good or bad, but regardless, we can't play the games without them. So quit, quit talking about officials. Um, it, I think that is indicative of the level of coach you are is if you – come after the game and all you want to do is talk about officials and, you know, want to, want to evaluate them. Let's, let's talk about you and your preparation and your team's preparation and your in game coaching and uh, uh, all that stuff. You know, there's, there's no substitute for preparation. So let's talk about that and how that could be different. Uh, how the little things is your, you know, did you have cleanup day this week? The Vanderbilt, uh, Tim Corbin talks a lot about their places spotless you know they, they have an expectation so what are your expectations throughout your program and how are you meeting those day by day and how does that lead to that success or, or not so much success on the scoreboard so I would I, I, I like to hear coaches talk about what else they could have done especially those little things rather than the age old whether the officials were bad so. And Kevin, I'll tell you another thing too. I don't know if you saw the clip from uh, Beamer at South Carolina when he got asked after the Georgia game the other night. You know, schematically, yeah. schematically, what were they yeah. doing that made he? They got a hundred five stars over there on defense. Like that, they're really good. Like that, that's okay too. Like as a coach, for you to go, you know what? Uh, I felt like our plan was great. I felt like we had a great week of practice. They were better than us. That's right. They, 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 you know, they were better than us or even they were better than us tonight. Maybe right. they wouldn't be 10 times, but even that shows growth. Even that tells me that you get it, that you know that you've got a plan that you executed as best you could. They were better tonight. And, and you know, we got to like that, uh, but 
sometimes that's the case. Tell me, guys, about the evaluation process, because I know that's a tough job for you because a coach might be five and 10, but might be doing an exceedingly good job on the growth process. How do you guys do that? I know it's a tough job for you guys because there's pressure from the outside, correct? Yeah, I've told um, our booster club people, we have individual booster clubs and they, uh, our, our booster clubs bless our coaches and, and give them a little extra stipend here and there. And, um, you know, sometimes people want to say, well, let's, let's give them money for making the playoffs and let's give them extra for winning a playoff game. And I'm like, wait a minute, it's high school sports. Uh, you don't get to pick your players. The community picks them for you and you're, you, you're given who you have. And a lot of times those coaches, as you said, maybe a team that's five and 10, that coach might have coached harder. And most coaches will tell you, Coach Furtado, you probably know this. I mean, uh, I, I looked at your record, so I'm not going to say I don't know if you ever had a losing record or not. But the, the, some of your least successful record teams are probably some of the hardest coaching jobs you ever did or, or you worked as hard or harder than you did than when you had your most successful teams. And I think, that, you know, once again, we get to see behind the curtain. We get to see what those coaches are doing. So don't pay them for making the playoffs when they probably coached harder and better this year and didn't make the playoffs because there were four other really, really good teams in our region. Uh, you know, that 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 is not something we want to get into. We want to reward our coaches for doing what they do throughout. Uh, and, and we evaluate that. I mean, I, one of the things we try to do is talk to our coaches. I, I try to do something formal on paper and it just – it really does, didn't work for our staff and for my leadership style. So I try to talk to our guys and, hey, where do you think you're going to finish? What is, what does the year look like to you? Um, and, and most of them are honest. Most, you know, if they say we were a state championship and we hadn't made the playoffs in four years, then, hey, wait a minute, time out. I'm not trying to get a, a newspaper article here. I'm trying to get the truth. And um, so, yeah, most coaches are, are will tell you, we got four returners coming back, but you know what? There's four really good teams in our region. It's going to be a fight, and we're probably going to be fighting for that four spot. Or, yeah, you know, so-and-so is good, but we, we, we're going to be fighting for the region title. So most coaches are, are, are honest. And if you go to enough games, if you're present enough as the athletic director, you're going to get your evaluation each and every time you go. If you go to watch one game, it's going to be harder to evaluate because you're not going to see enough. You're not going to have enough data as we like to say uh and that data doesn't have to be written down it doesn't have to be typed in your in your phone uh, it's just visible uh data that you see and at the end of the year you can have a conversation with that coach and say hey i understand why you didn't make the playoffs so and so got hurt and you dropped off dramatically and you you coached your tail off but you didn't have a chance because of your talent level or whatever so yeah i think that you know to piggyback on <laughs> on your question earlier, Josh, best coaching job I ever did. We went 0 and 10, um, you know, but I think that it's important also for an athletic administrator to be very careful to, I don't want to use, necessarily say stay in your lane, but I was a football guy. So when I had conversations with my football coach, I was competent in having that conversation. If we want to talk defense and we want to talk scheme, I can do that because I, I feel very confident in that space. I wasn't having that same conversation with my lacrosse coach, with my soccer coach. I, in those avenues, I'm looking for the things that don't change, effort, integrity, um, you know, the, the little things, the small details. What does your bench look like during a game? You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, 
that's what I would focus on when I was having those conversations with them. I'm not going to go in because, you know, you think, I mean, you can't fool kids and you can't fool adults and they, they know what your background is too. Uh, and for me to go in there and act like I'm an expert in everything, uh, that would be, you know, that's pretty silly on my part to do that. And so I feel like if you approach it that way, uh, it makes it very easy to have those conversations, uh, whether they be difficult conversations or whether it be, listen, man, I get it. And let's find a way together uh, to get to the other side of this thing. Yeah, that's great insight, guys. Uh, let's talk about feedback. That's my next, you know, I'm going to get into, you know, what kind of feedback I'm a big believer I want to sit down with my AD as often as possible. Does that happen? No. Okay. But I love feedback, whether that's the principal, I don't care. I want to, I want people to kind of see how our programs run. And the other day we had a clinic and my team was actually doing some drills and I, I was talking to all the coaches. Hey, what do you see out there? Do you see our girls hustling the body language? I just really believe in that. And I, I get feedback from people. Yeah, I love it. I, I love those coaches who come into my office and want to ask questions, uh, get to see them uh, more than just when they come in there with a problem. So, hey, what do you think about this idea? What do you what, what do you see? Um, I don't know that we get a lot of coaches walking in the office and saying, hey, will you come to practice and watch? Or what did you see at the game last night? Uh, that may be more for me. Uh, I try to do that in question format. Hey, I saw this happen. What, what was going on instead of being real rigid with it, which I can be. I know that's a, that's another blind spot of mine of wanting to give feedback because I like getting feedback, uh, but not all coaches uh, like getting it, especially at the wrong time. So you got to be tactful about it. But uh, so, so trying to get feedback um, through questions you ask and asking the right questions in the right tone and the right tact. Um, but uh, I, I love it when those coaches come in because that – to me, that means they trust me a little bit. They respect me. Uh, try to give them give them feedback in suggestions because uh, I don't know what all's going on out there daily. I'm not an assistant coach on their staff anymore, so it's not like I see day to day. But I try to I try to give them feedback on the big picture. Uh, luckily, and Don can tell you this from being uh, the the AD at Kennesaw Mountain and, and our district AD, he gets to hear what all the ADs in the district are doing in certain ways. I get to see what all our coaches are doing. And I, I can say, hey, uh, Mr. Basketball Coach, the baseball coach is doing this. Maybe you want to go talk to him and see if you can implement it and it might help you solve what you're asking. So that's really fun is when I'm able to connect coaches and ideas that they are implementing into their programs, especially the successful ones. Yeah, I think what I was, to Josh, to your point, I would, if it was a sport that I wasn't necessarily I didn't have a history with, wasn't as confident about, I would just straight up tell them, I go, listen, I don't necessarily know what I'm looking at. Okay. So I'm just going to throw something out there and you just tell me, you tell me if I'm wrong or not. And I think their ability to feel comfortable enough to respond to that question, all of that equity has been, you've made deposits throughout the year leading up into that conversation that they feel comfortable enough to do that. Uh, you can't, you know, just, I mean, let's be honest, if we wanted to, and if Josh wanted to, we could never leave our offices. There, there's that, that pile on the, 
on that desk is going to be there tomorrow. It's going to be there next day. It's going to be there next week. We could literally never go anywhere else uh, but our office. Uh, but it's extremely important that that's not the case, uh, that they do see us as a person and you build relationships with those people that they feel like you're there working in their best interest. So that whenever you do say something like that and you, you say, let me, I just got a suggestion. You tell me if it'll work or not, because collaboration is the absolute best thing that we can do. We do it as teachers. So why not do it as, as coaches? I think for the longest time, especially on the football side, everybody wanted to keep it close to the vest because if I, if I put it out there, now you've got it and you can use it, you can use it, you know, against me. Well, it doesn't matter if my, if mine are better than yours and if they execute better than yours, it, I don't care if you know everything. Um, but at the end of the day, I think collaboration is the key for sure. I know this. I want to get uh, hanging with the AD uh, shirt, by the way. So I love those. I got my Dr. Dish shirt on. Okay. All right. You may, that go. means your podcast is first class. I mean, you got your own shirts. For and sure. Dr. Dish was working hard this morning at seven o'clock with our girls basketball team. No uh, doubt. Four on ones in there. I, I, it, it's, it's on about every morning I walk in. So. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, put the time in early. I, I know you guys are going to be tough. Um, hey, let me ask you about this. Uh, I, this morning, Coach Foster, who's our softball coach, great coach, has a great program out here, top five program. He comes up to me and asks me, he says, Coach, what do you think about, you know, I, I got a lot of kids and I can't play everybody. How do you deal with that? And I thought that was the coolest thing, him asking me. And he's yeah. already a very successful coach. And I really appreciate that. Then we started having a conversation on different things. To me, I don't see enough of that. I love talking to coaches about what they're doing. Yeah. And again, I, I don't know your relationship with that guy, but there was probably some deposits that were already made so that he was, a, he felt comfortable enough coming to make that withdrawal. You know, you, you had done a good job building a relationship with him that he felt comfortable enough to do that. And that's, sure. I think that's, that's the, that's the key. So what did you tell him? Pardon? What did you tell him? Well, actually by, by him, uh, I really didn't tell him much. He actually, by asking me, he explained his situation um, because I don't think he was really looking for an answer, Josh. I think he was just looking for a little bit of feedback. Um, and basically he answered his own question. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So what's, uh, he, what's, what's the lesson there? Um, hey, you know, asking questions and getting feedback and so forth, I think uh, breaks down a lot of communication barriers, um, which I, I, I found out. And I did give him some feedback, but, um, I felt like it kind of opened the door for communication. Yeah, I mean, I, I think your AD would go home feeling good about himself, patting himself on the back that two coaches solved problems and made each other better just by having dialogue and asking each other questions. And not that you gave an answer, right? But you just you gave another coach uh, an avenue to talk and listen and maybe give him a couple of tidbits. But he he had the ear of someone he trusted in in the same level. And, and I think that's, that's great. I mean, I, I, if I heard two of my coaches doing that, I, I would sit in the back of the room and listen and walk out of there with the biggest smile on my face, because that's what the athletic director, that's what the leader wants from, from, from his people or her people. And that's what you want your athletes doing, right? You want your athletes sure. coaching each other as the head coach. So, I mean, that, that's awesome. That's great. Kevin, you didn't know you were going to be get asked questions. That's the problem when you have podcast host on your show. We're, That's right. <laughs> we're, we're used to asking all the questions. I love it. I love it. 
<laughs> it's all about it's all about you know exchanging ideas right and concepts that's Absolutely. how we learn um hey i want to talk about what do you look for guys and i know i know don you're hiring athletic directors and i know josh is hiring coaches what do you all look for in your candidates i'm really curious how you guys think because hey there can be a guy that has tremendous you know 25 years experience played at the college level is there some separators and intangibles you guys look for that nobody else sees? Go ahead, Josh. I, I think uh, for me, it's two things. I'll steal these from Scott Strickland, uh, University of Florida, Director of Athletics, uh, talent and experience. Those are the two things that you, you're going to look for right off the bat. Um, you know, you may have someone who has a lot of experience and a lot of talent. The, those are your, your, your big-time coaches, right? Those are hard to find. And you've got to have a big-time program to attract those folks. Uh, so they're not going to come anywhere and everywhere. Uh, you can have someone with not a lot of experience, but a lot of talent. Uh, not a lot of talent, but a lot of experience. And then not a lot of experience and not a lot of talent. So th th those are your four categories of coaches, uh, as Scott Strickland gave them to us. And I think, you know, I I've always I've, I've put that back in my back pocket. But then you got to add in fit. A lot of, a lot of people that we talk to, uh, and I agree with this. Uh, Pope High School is a very unique place. We have a lot of student athletes who come back to coach at Pope, uh, even though it's East Cobb, Metro Atlanta. Uh, a lot of times those folks move away, but we have a lot of folks who have come back, alumni who are on our staff. And um, it, it's a tough place to crack if you're not a Pope person. So uh, it, it's hard. As I'm not a Pope person. I'm not a Pope grad. So I have to keep that in my mind when we're hiring coaches. How are they going to fit in with the Pope? How are they going to be a Pope person? And uh, so, so experience, talent, fit are the three things I, I'd say. And just to kind of piggyback on that, I would say you know, temperament, flexibility, and capacity. Uh, you know, now more than ever, uh, temperament is a huge piece of the coaching puzzle. Uh, you cannot coach kids the way that I was coached, quite period, point blank. Um, and so you've got to be able to convey a message and in some cases, a message under very heightened emotional circumstances, uh, but do it in a way that you're not in the principal's office. You're not on the front page of the paper. You're not on somebody's Twitter feed, uh, you know, dragging some kid to the bench by his face mask. Um, and this idea of being flexible, uh, if the pandemic taught us anything, it has taught us how to be flexible and those that could be, they are going to, they're, they're, they're thriving. Now, those that could not, a lot of them are no longer in the business. Um, and then capacity that gets back to what we've been talking about. You know, can you adjust to change? Uh, I ask every candidate, what does it look like to be coached by you? What does it look like to be led by you? Well, that takes a little bit of capacity to be able to answer that question because it takes you stepping out of yourself for a minute and getting out of your feelings and really giving an honest answer there. Um, and, and ultimately you know, someone, especially with head coaches, someone who understands the dream is the journey. Okay. You wanted to be the head coach. So that means that you get the good, the bad, the ugly, you get all of it. You don't just get the wins. You don't just get the cooler dumped on you. Um, it's you, you've got to deal with the, the mom that's mad, uh, or a, a, if kid gets hurt, uh, or if you've got issues on your staff that you've got to iron out, you, if they can fully understand, listen, dude, the, the dream's a journey. So it's all of it. It's not just some of it. Um, and I think that that's, that's huge. So temperament, flexibility, and capacity. 
Yeah, but I think those last two things Don said, uh, for for anyone out there aspiring to be a head coach or if you are a head coach and, and you want to know how you can be better, increase your capacity. Understand you have to have a huge capacity, especially if you're in a big-time sport. Uh, Kevin, I know you're basketball. I'm talking about those big, you know, maybe more than big three now, but those big sports where you have a lot of athletes in, in your program, you have a junior program. But Don, Don always says that, and I think it, uh, the dream is the journey. I think that's huge when it relates to the capacity. You've got to be in charge of not the booster club. You have to be in charge of people volunteering for the concession stand, uh, players cleaning the locker room, the school board getting turned on, the locker, you know, the, the coach's office getting cleaned up, the floor getting swept, the field getting drugged, whatever it is, all those things are within have to be within your capacity to manage and manage at a high level if you're going to win, if you're going to be successful. So, you know, if I were an aspiring head coach or if I were a head coach, I would stop right now and I would write down everything that you think you're in charge of. I'd probably take it to my AD and say, is there anything I'm missing? And then I would start formulating a way to manage and all that. It's not coaching, right? The coaching is the fun part. That's what everybody wants to do is coach. But the management of the leadership position that you're in is the is the is the journey, as Don says. And that's what that's what ADs look at to see if a coach is elite or if a coach is just a just average. When you're elite, you manage that whole list of things and you do it at, at a high level. You have your hands on it. Some people may say you micromanage it, but it, it, it's yours, man. It's your program. You have to manage it at the level that you want the results to be. So that takes experience, right? Or, or are there some young coaches? I'd like to welcome our new championship vision podcast sponsor, Huddle Assist. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stance like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happens. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. Huddle will also be at the Legends at the Grove Clinic on September 12th at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Come stop by our table to chat and see what we have to offer coaches out there who just have that knack who had that training if it came down between experience let's say experienced coach who maybe doesn't do all that and a very first year coach that maybe has those qualities I mean uh, how would you make that decision I'm taking the first year guy <laughs> okay yeah the, the experience I, I mean the experience doesn't really mean anything if you can't handle the job if your capacity sure. can't manage the job and you just want to uh, you know live on your resume 
but you're not going to do eligibility. You're not going to do all the administrative paperwork that's going to give me as the AD the headache. If, you, right. if you're going to make my job harder, but you're going to win uh, lacrosse games or soccer games, that, I don't care. I mean, I, I'll take the young, talented guy who worked for a, a great, organized, legendary coach who uh, I think knows who has talent, um, you know, and, and then we'll, we'll, he'll get experience because that guy's going to win. That, that guy, that, that lady, she's going to win because she has the organization and the management skills to do all the little things. And as Don will tell you, there are no, there are no such things as little things. Right. <laughs> and those little things turn into big wins. So. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are no, there are no little things. Uh, everything matters. Uh, and again, if, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to find another room. Uh, it's a saying that our superintendent has. And if a guy, a coach has a lot of experience, uh, well, what's the value of that experience if ultimately you're not going to listen? Uh, because it's not that I can't learn from you in that experience, but at the same time, there are going to be elements of this job that are outside of the lines of play because a head coach has become much more of an administrator than they have a coach in a lot of ways. And that's why they've got to surround themselves with good people. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to take somebody that is willing to grow and somebody that's willing to listen, regardless of how long they've been in the game. Would you do so? I, I always try to think out of the box guys. Okay. I'm just a little different. If you were, I always think that you bring a, if you're interviewing a coach, have them come in, run a couple practices or run a practice. Is that a trend that's done? I mean, because I can tell right away if a coach comes in, whether he or she really knows how to teach, knows how to interact with kids. Am I, am I off base on that? Josh, you can start. Yeah, I think that's a good tactic. I don't know how realistic it is based on the <laughs> rules in play. Right. Uh, but I think that's a good thought uh, for sure. You know, the, the challenge of hiring coaches, especially head coaches, um, is figuring out what kind of coach they are and do it in an interview process and on paper, right? right. So um, we, we've tried to change some of our interview tactics, uh, tried to mimic some of the secular world, uh, per se, the corporate, I guess, corporate world, not secular world, corporate world. Uh, like with Chick-fil-A, uh, we have uh, one of our coaches' wives, is a HR rep or an HR leader in her organization. And we try to do some interview tactics that um, may try to draw out a little bit more. Uh, but I can tell you, I mean, I, I'm not asking what kind of offense you run. Are you running, are you man to man? Are you running gun or are you running a four, three or whatever? I, I don't care about all that. You, you can give it to me if you want to over here on piece of paper. I'll look at it to kind of have an idea, but I want to know what kind of person you are. I want to know how you're going to teach character. I want to know how you're going to make sure the locker room's clean. I want to know how you're going to handle when the person walk when a, when a parent walks up to you and asks you about a, 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 a special night that is a tradition. Are you going to say that's not not my job? Are you going to say, well, how have we done it in the past? How can I make it better? Those kind of things. Um, how are you going to embrace tradition there? So those are the kind of things I'm looking for when when it comes to hiring. And to piggyback on that, Josh, one of the things that he did uh, a few years ago that I adopted when I was a local school ADD, and I've kind of carried it over to, to giving to ADs now when they're hiring coaches, this idea of a pre-interview packet. And I think that may have been what he was uh, alluding to there. This idea of, I don't know about you, but there's not many people that can go into an interview and 
for an hour and and just be able to articulate everything in an hour you know and answer every question just kill it every single time and that idea of a pre-interview packet that they get in advance it allows them time it allows them to reflect and i think the answers that you get are much better and then when you get them in the room uh to josh's point you know you're only going to be able to run what your kids can run so you come in and you you say you know by god i'm a i'm an eight-man front guy that's what i am and that's what we're doing well not if you don't have four linemen, you know, and, and maybe you don't. Uh, and so I don't necessarily get caught up in X's and O's either. It's, it's all of those other things because so much of being a head coach is outside of the lines. And so I need to know about that because that's what's going to be a bigger problem for them and for me uh, on the back end if we can't assess that. And by, that, by doing that pre-interview packet also, it, it, helps, it helps me be able to you know sometimes when that packet came back my mind was made up I didn't have to talk to them I knew either they're the guy or they're the girl or they're not uh, and more often than not it helped to kind of weed those candidates out so I thought that was a really good idea that's a great point how do you how do you know if somebody has that want you guys there are certain people that they, they look good but do they have that 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 extra gear that that it factor you guys have a formula for that or, or I mean how, how do you seek that out with all your candidates. I know you guys speak to a lot of people. No, that's what you're looking for. And I don't know if you ever find it until you get them, you get them in the house and right. you either know it then, or you, you realize, Hey man, this may not be the right fit. So I, I there's no formula in my, in my book. If you, if, if someone has it, let let us know. Yeah. I, I think also that idea of uh, trying to find uh, grinders, you know, that, that term, yeah, I think I that's, yeah. I, I, that's, that's difficult uh, to, you know, to, to gauge it just in an interview. Uh, but you, you listen for passion in their voice. Uh, you look at their resume, you know, have they done multiple things on the way up? Um, and, and, and to me, if you're a jumper, like you come in and I look on the resume and you've been teaching <laughs> eight years and you've been in six places, uh, that, that's a huge red flag to me because that tells me you're not a grinder. Uh, that tells me you're you're always you're jumping to be the next you know whatever the next best thing is, or it got tough and you bailed, uh, it got hard and you got out of there, um, and so that speaks a lot to me. Is I think that's one way that you can kind of assess that. And sometimes those things have very logical explanations, and that comes out in the interview process. Uh, but I think it's just little stuff like that. But like Josh said, it's it is uh, it is far from an exact science. I can tell you it's that it's a mystery. Exactly. Yes. And it's, it sounds like to me, you guys enjoy that. You enjoy the challenge of finding great people on that. I just, I just get that, that, that feeling. Yeah. The, the, the hiring process is one of the most fun par- parts of the job, at least when you have teaching allotments available. Uh, when you don't have teaching allotments, it makes it a little bit more of a challenge that you don't control. But uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, I'm actually on, uh, working with some folks across uh, other ADs in, in other parts of the country on putting together one of our LTs. LTI class with maybe a new class on hiring and, and um, interviewing coaches. So it, it, it's become kind of a passion of mine just because I, it became a passion when I talked to others outside of the education industry and f- to learn how that they hire coaches. And you listen to like Chick-fil-A's and you listen to, the, to Coca-Cola, those big corporations, how do they pursue and hire new talent? 
And, and they've got some really good strategies and in, in trying to implement those into how we do it makes it makes it more fun. Yeah, it sounds like you guys are you're innovative. I mean, you're trying to stay ahead of the game. And I love that. Uh, I'm not sure how many athletic departments do that, but it sounds like you guys are all about, you know, staying ahead of the game. Hey, before you go, Don, you had a great article. I was reading about social media. I use a lot of social media with my program. OK, I try to have everything positive. Facebook. Twitter, I market my program, I brand my program. Um, and I brand our what we call our, our logo, which is row the boat, never quit mindset. Um, and people always laugh saying, coach, you're doing, I mean, all that. But um, I believe that's important if it's done in the right way, right, Don? Absolutely. I think it's, it's critical. Uh, our, you've got to meet people where they live. Uh, and right now, go to uh, go to any ball field, go to a park, go to a cafeteria, go to any way the kids are on their phones and their parents are. Right. Um, and so that is how they get their information. Uh, and so that is how you are able to articulate your narrative. And one of the things that I loved about it as a local school AD, it allowed me to pull the curtain back uh, and let a kid know what it was like to be a student athlete in our building before they even showed up on campus. Because let's be very honest, we have to recruit our own kids now. Uh, especially in the metro Atlanta area, uh, it is very, very easy uh, to just go right down the street, uh, you know, and, and they do. Uh, so uh, you've got to, to use the platforms that you have uh, to really sell what it's like to be not just an athlete, but to be a student in your building. And I think social media is a wonderful place to do that. Uh, you do have to be very careful. Uh, you you got to know, especially within, with individual programs, uh, if it is a parent that is using uh, the, the social media, if they're, they're the ones that are in charge of it, for example, let's say they're in charge of the football Twitter account, that is not their personal Twitter account. Right. You know, you have, you've got to lay some parameters, some guardrails there so that the people that are running it, if they are not in our world, in the world of education, they don't think the way that we do. This, this is a completely different jam, okay, when you're talking about education. Uh, and there are certain, certain things that you can and can't do. They need to know that. You, you can't have a political opinion if you if you manage the football Twitter account and disclose your representation of not just the school, but the district. Uh, and I think that it's pivotal that you do have those conversations with your people about what is okay and what is not okay. But at the same time, I think you have to have it. Uh, I don't look at it as a necessary evil because I think that's a negative connotation. Uh, I think it's just necessary uh, and it can be a wonderful, wonderful way uh, to highlight the very best in your building. Yeah, I agree with that. And now what are some of the, uh, Josh, are, are there, uh, can, can you do too much social media for your program? Or I mean, what is, what's, what's the line drawn there? That's a good question. I, I don't know that the Don's probably thought about that a lot more than I have Don's Don's kind of our social media go-to guy. He, uh, he spends a lot of time on it. I don't know how much you spend coach on the analytical side. Don's kind of got that mastered and he, he knows a lot of that analytical uh, information there to help. He helps us with it a lot. Uh, I, I'll say this as a high school athletic administrator slash assistant principal uh, with other responsibilities in the building, I would say as a high school coach uh, with teaching responsibilities, I'd find it hard to, to believe that somebody can be doing too much social media with your time split up with your other responsibilities. So uh, I feel like a lot of times my presence isn't good enough. And it's because 
hey, I'm juggling a, a lot of other balls that um, and duties and responsibilities. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, man, I haven't put anything out in a couple of days and uh, the footprint's getting small. So I, th there may be a better answer to, to that question than I can give, but I'd say with all our other responsibilities at the level that we, uh, that all three of us work at, it'd be almost hard to put out too much information. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, and I think, again, he mentioned the analytics. I think you, you have to do that. I think Twitter is the best that uh, has the best example of that. You need to make sure that you're getting more bang for your buck. Look at the engagement on the different material that you're putting out there and then balance that with the time that you have. Cause like you said, you know, you, with all of the other things that you have going, especially if you're the coach and you're the one that's managing that social media, you've got to get the most bang for your buck. Well, is that video? Is that an image? Uh, you know, is it just plain text? Is it the timing of it? You've got to figure out what is best. And so it's, it may not necessarily be the volume of it, but that that's important because if you don't, then they'll quit following you. They'll just disappear. And then it's not effective. Uh, but at the same time, you want to make sure that the stuff that you are putting out there, it's worth your time as well. Uh, and I think that just takes a little bit of effort. Kevin, you mentioned in, in your prep questions about current trends. And that's one thing that I was going to mention is that digital media side. Right. Uh, like I said, Don's kind of our resident expert in the digital media side and having the ability to put graphics out, having the ability to put pictures and, and video out, it just makes it so much better. I would say that's the new trend that everybody's got to start. You know, if you haven't already, you need to be exploring how to take your, your information from just being information to be in some kind of graphical uh, presentation, uh, some, something that catches the eye a lot better than just text us. Yeah. And you guys do a great job with your podcast, by the way. I just want to tell you that. Uh, let's talk about your podcast. Um, if I'm a coach, can I get engaged in your podcast or is it just for ADs? Talk about why you guys do it. We hope you can. I mean, it, our, our, our goal is to have athletic leaders or leaders who can influence the athletic leaders in our profession. Yeah, we're, we probably focus on the athletic administrator a lot because when we, um, when we started it, we looked um, probably November, December of 2019, we kind of looked into our space that we live in and there really was a no, uh, no other podcasts. There were one or two. There was not a lot. Uh, there was not a, um, you know, it wasn't a saturated market by no means for athletic administrators, especially at the high school level. And we said, Hey, why can't we do a podcast and get athletic or get leaders? And, and a lot of times it is other athletic directors in to talk about experiences and their lessons learned through their journey and relate it back to our world of athletic administration. Uh, and, and we, this, just this past summer, we had three coaches in a row that were never athletic administrators. So we tried to, you know, see their angle and how the coaches perspective can help make us be better athletic administrators. So we hope that anybody who's a leader of, of kids and in any kind of leadership can, can pull up our podcast and, just have another leadership podcast in your um, in your podcast files there in, in, in inbox. Yeah, I think it, it is a leadership based podcast. Now, granted, it's it is designed to help athletic leaders, but this speaks to capacity again. A lot of the times, we will listen to uh, just other leadership. You know, Maxwell, who's talking about business or, or whatever, and 
we try to find a lesson in that message that relates to something that we're doing. And our hope is that a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, uh, it, it allows someone, whether they're in athletic administration or they're not, it allows them to say, you know what, that's a concept that I think I could use that I think that, that translates well. And again, we try to get authors. We try to get leadership experts. Uh, we, we did speak with coaches and want to continue to do that. Um, and then obviously athletic administrators that, because a lot of the things that we talk to with collegiate athletic administrators, they, we don't, I don't know about you. I don't know a high school that's, that has a, you know, hundred million dollar budget, <laughs> but you know, they, they start to talk about some of the things that they do and you go, I could scale that. I, I could take that and I could use it in my program. And so that's, that, that's our hope. Give me something you guys learned before you go, give me something you learned from whether that was Johnny Ringo, whether that was Kurt Miller, any of those guys on that you're from your recent podcast, what is something that you guys, you had your notepad out, you were writing down that you really learned from somebody. Uh, I'll Josh is laughing. You, you can go ahead and take that one. Oh man. I, I, I like to take notes. I mean, I, I, I I've got a page full of notes here and I like taking notes. So every time we hang up, I've got a page full of notes, no matter who it is, but uh, I, I've got two, I mean, I wrote down a bunch of stuff, but two things and number one, ask great questions. And then that's why I kind of asked Brett Ledbetter. We were blessed to have him on. He's a, he's Good. a national name and uh, just a great leader. And we were blessed to have him and Becky Burley on once. And, and then Alan Green said the thing, same thing, ask big picture questions so those two talked about asking questions. And then I wrote down some names that said, that kind of alluded to this next point, Tony Wolf, Brian Dodd, Randy Gravitt, Scott Strickland, Doug Kilgore, Homer Rice, leaders or readers. Right. And uh, Don's a bigger reader than I am. I try to read a little bit and uh, I'm, uh, I got some books behind me here, but uh, leaders or readers, I think is the one takeaway I probably have. And like I said, I just named off a bunch of people, but it's fun asking podcast guests what book have you read lately and uh or what book you, is the most meaningful book for you to you or whatever so yeah i think that it has also helped us with the with the difficult times with the diff with the the hard times we have talked about we've talked to ad's who have lost uh student athletes uh in the process of being that leader how do you handle that situation uh you know we have talked to uh to several athletic directors regarding uh, the lack of minority representation yeah. in the athletic administration field. And, and what do we need to do to address that? Because that matters. Uh, young people need to be able to look in those positions of authority and see themselves. And if they cannot do that, that is a problem. Uh, and I feel like we've been able to have those conversations with some great, great guests, uh, you know, throughout uh, the course of, of us talking to these, these leaders that we have the pleasure to sit down with. Yes, and I had uh, one of my good friends, Pete Aycock, who coached in Georgia for quite a few years. I told him, I said, I'm going to be interviewing uh, Josh and Don. And he says, you know what? He says, athletic directors seem to try to gather and more information and talk to other, other athletic directors more than coaches do. He said that, and it was, like, it was like, that's so interesting. Because I think coaches sometimes try to keep to themselves. And I think athletic directors seem to kind of really seek out just like you guys are doing. Why is, is that, is that true or is that not true? No, yeah, I, I think, think that's definitely absolutely. true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, that, that has been the biggest, the biggest uh, surprise, pleasant surprise of the whole project is the ability, because I'll be honest with you. I mean, Josh, I don't know. We put a percentage on it, but 
the overwhelming majority number of people that we talk to, we have never spoken to them. We don't have a relationship with them. We cold call them or email them. Josh will send them an email and, you know, they'll say yes. And then we, we're able to, to learn from them. It is, it has been extremely refreshing uh, how many people have just said yes, uh, sight unseen uh, to talk to us. And that, that is a, a, a common theme throughout the athletic administrator community as a whole, I think. Yeah, I think it gets back to what Don said earlier about coaches who want to keep things close to the chest. They're trying to beat you, right? You're trying to beat your your colleagues, your your peers in the coaching world. You're trying to, to win the next game against them, so you don't want to give them an advantage. Um, as an athletic administrator, I think and Don talks about seeing the forest and not the trees. Um, you're, you're seeing the bigger picture. You're, you're managing events. You're managing people. But more than that, you're leading people, and you're leading a department. And the only way to do that successfully is to incorporate things that are successful other places. So as the leader, we're trying to incorporate those things. And, and I think that's where the best coaches, they go and learn from the other best coaches and they incorporate those things into their program and they keep winning. They, 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 they maintain their success level uh, and, and they'll share their secrets too, because you still got to take someone else's secrets and apply them in the at the same level of excellence that that other coach is doing. I'm thinking about Bobby Howard, uh, who's won over a thousand baseball games in Georgia and Alabama, but mostly Georgia. If you go to a baseball clinic, the GA, the Georgia Dugout Club clinic, or an ABCA clinic, Bobby Howard's on the front row. But Bobby Howard's also been a presenter, and he has shared his secrets, and he still has won. He's it's not hurt his success rate because he he keeps getting better people keep having to chase him and they can't take his level of excellence and, and, and model it because it's such at a high level that everybody can't can't reach that so and kevin i'll tell you just if i got a second a, a quick story sure. there when i was a, a, a young coach when i first got up here uh there was a handful of coaches they talked about you know going to a coach's clinic and and uh you know the, the one evening uh, they went out and they had a they had a good time. We'll leave it at that. Okay. And they showed up late for this, the next session that it was early morning session. And, uh, you know, naturally, you know, like a good Baptist church, uh, there were only seats on the front row, uh, that were left. And so they, they kind of snuck down to the front row and, and, and sat down and they, they saw this, this gentleman that was sitting next to him who they didn't know at the time. And he's sitting there and he, he's, he's an older gentleman, obviously a veteran coach. And I mean, sparks are coming off the paper. I mean, he is writing so diligently trying to learn. Uh, and then he turned to meet him. They had a break or something. He turned to introduce himself and it was Nick Hyder uh, from Valdosta high school. One of the winningest high school football coaches in the country of all time, uh, well into his career. And there he is trying to get better, uh, you know? And so I just, we're all in process. And I'm going to piggyback on that, Don, and that is my clinic I had uh, about a week ago or so, um, you know how, it, and I'm crazy, it started at 7.30, 8 o'clock and went all the way to like 7 o'clock, so that's a long day, but we had six people left in the stands, um, and my, for my good friend Hal Wilson, who coaches at, uh, one of the professors at Georgia Southern was talking about culture, and, um, but who was left in the stands? Helda Hankerson head women's coach at uh, Westlake and Jean Durden, two of the best coaches in Georgia, still writing notes with six people left. Yeah. And I just want to tell you, I was 
totally impressed with that. They could have left a long time ago. Sure. Um, I mean, that, that's something that that's, it's a constant learning, constant growth period, right? Constant, Absolutely. you know, trying to get better. Absolutely. That's right. Coaches, I just want to say thank you so much. I can see why Cobb County schools uh, are so successful. I can see why Pope uh, is so successful as well. You guys are first class. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I have so many coaches around the country that listen. What's the best way that they can contact you? Because I know a lot of guys are going to seek your advice. Yeah, sure. Uh, email is probably the best for me. Uh, it's Don, D-O-N dot Baker, B-A-K-E-R at Cobb, C-O-B-B-K-12.org. Uh, and then obviously uh, on Twitter, uh, at Don Baker 495 uh, is my uh, Twitter account. So by all means, and then at Hanging With the AD, that's always a good one too. Yeah, the podcast I was going to mention, the podcast is Hanging With the AD. Uh, a little slang there, but we have, there's a story <laughs> behind it. You can uh, watch it and learn the story behind that. But uh, for me, uh, my name's a little difficult to spell. So just do... Pope Athletics at CobbK12.org. Pope Athletics at CobbK12.org. Uh, Twitter is JWMatthews14, or you can do Pope Athletics, either one, and get either one there. Um, so that'd be great. Love to, love to hear the feedback. Yeah, I appreciate you guys sharing. Hey, now you're part of the Championship Vision family now, guys. So welcome. Awesome. Yeah, this is great, man. <laughs> great conversation, Kevin. Great questions and enjoyed the conversation a lot. Thanks, coach. Yeah, Absolutely. thank you guys for taking the time. I know you guys are busy on that. So thanks again. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, this is Matt from Court Cart. The Court Cart is a great way to store your basketballs and is handy at practice. You can lock up 24 men's or 30 women's basketballs with our zippered top. The cart is sturdy and easy to go around the court. The cart is $2.69 with free shipping. The court board is a whiteboard that attaches to the cart so you can draw plays up on the court. The Court Cart Courtboard Package is $5.28 with free shipping. You can find out more information on courtcart.com. Hey, coaches, this is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division I, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile, desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. If you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning.